The Business Animal Podcast is proudly sponsored by WP Engine, your resource for managed WordPress hosting, and Keep, the premier CRM software for small business. Head over to thebusinessanimal.com for the best deals on these two amazing products. Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Kara with Fast Horse Photography. (laughs) And welcome to another episode of The Business Animal. Today, we're going to be talking about ways to better understand your customers. Specifically, we're going to talk about three ways to better understand your customers. Three, the big three. (laughs) That's That's our motto around here. So three ways you can better understand your customers. But before we dive into those three ways, Kara has done some really interesting research around why this is so important. And I would love for her to share that with you. And then I'm going to give a few two cents worths on my thoughts around why it's so important to understand your customers. Thank you, Kim. So of course, I have my list because that's what I do. So we're talking about three ways to better understand your customers. So for us, we're talking about folks that are working within the animal equine or pet based industry. So why is it important? Like, why is this topic even important? I feel like sometimes we come at you guys with information without the front end of it. Like, why is this important to you? Just hoping that you already know that. So the idea is why is it important to understand the needs of your clients? Well, first of all, it's all about relationships, right? So we talk about this. I feel like Kim and I have had about a thousand episodes talking about increasing your relationship with clients, or we mentioned it, how important this is. So it helps you maintain a good relationship with those folks that you're already serving. We know from previous episode research that it's going to cost you six to seven times more to attract new customers than it does to just maintain the ones that you already have. So this increases that lifetime value of your existing clients. It increases the lifetime value. So think about that. People coming back to you over and over and over again versus them working with you one time, moving on to someone else, and then you out there hustling, trying to bring in new people. Another great reason is that knowing how your business fits into your client goals can really help shape so much of what you do as a business owner. Have you ever thought about it that way, Kim? I was thinking about it and I was like, you know what? I've never sat down and thought about how does my business fit into my clients' life goals, their goals for their animals, you know, because when I, and when I shifted that perspective in my brain, it was very eye-opening. Like, oh my God, I can be a part, my little business can be a part of someone's end game. That to me then is going to shape as a business owner, everything about my messaging, my marketing, the types of products and services that I can provide and can really help me become, you know, more targeted. Kim, did you just, did you want to jump in there? It looked like you wanted to jump in there. I do. Okay, go ahead. I want to say something here because this is something that I run into a lot when I sit with entrepreneurs or when I work, especially when I work through my business model canvas and life canvas classes, I sit with entrepreneurs and we talk about their dreams. So for me in my business, I'm very, very cognizant of the fact that the person sitting across from me, my client, I am a 
big part, my business, what I do really, really aims towards fulfilling their goal. But one of the shifts that I want to make for them is to help them understand that. We get into business, we start businesses, we become entrepreneurs for ourselves. There's a lot of reasons why we become entrepreneurs. And you and I have shared our reasons multiple times over this podcast, and we'll probably continue to do so for the entire time we're doing the podcast. Because deep down, the reason I started a business was for my freedom. The reason I became an entrepreneur was because I have a value system that really drives me to make a difference for other people. And those are my reasons. But once I really start that business, once I give it to the public, once I put it out there for people to purchase, it's no longer about me. It's about them. It's about the people that I serve. And it's so critical and so important to understand who they are and how my business or my contribution is really in their lives. It's it's not about me. It's about them. And I think for a lot of people, entrepreneurs, when we start our businesses, we get into doing customer research because it's it's something to do before we get a lot of people into our business. And, and it helps us understand and target our marketing and all of those really important reasons that we're talking about here. But more than that, we sometimes drop off of doing it because we think we have it, right? We think we got it. We know who those people are. But it is a constant and never-ending improvement of understanding them that really makes the impact to our business and allows us to level up what we're doing for them. There's my two cents soapbox on why it's so important to get to know people that you're working for and to understand how you interact in their lives and how you move their lives forward. And you know what? It's so fulfilling as a business owner because you get to see what the impact is that you're making on one person's life and many people's lives. It's so true. And and I love that perspective that you come at it from the idea of a major part of your business, Kim, is that business to business business service that you provide. You quickly had to make that pivot from understanding how you fit into their end game and like what their goals are. Like you had to get your mind there so quick. Whereas I think maybe a animal-based business owner that's geared towards working with clients directly that are out in the field trying to make their lives or their animals better or to provide a service to an animal. I feel like you have to do an extra jump to get to that place where you're thinking about how do you fit into their ultimate goals. Absolutely. So yeah, that makes so much sense. And I hadn't thought about it that way until you just said it. So I'm sure there's other animal-based business owners out there that are like you where they're working with other business owners. So that is such a good point. And they're probably ahead of the game like you are. So that's really awesome. Another piece of this, I think, is that if you don't understand how your business fits into the goals of your client, you can really risk underperforming if you don't know your role in your client's lives. So you can really underperform if you don't know what that expectation is. So this is really one way how you can show you understand your client's pain points and show you have a solution to that pain point. So we're always talking about like, you know, finding that pain point and how you're going to fulfill that need. So this is another way for you to do that, which ultimately, hopefully ends in you maintaining that 
strong relationship with your client, you keeping them as a client, them coming back to you over and over again. I also wanted to talk a little bit about how it really helps you keep up with your client's preferences. So one of the things I was thinking about is this whole issue of communication. I thought this was a great example. I'm a big person that likes to get people on the phone, like actually talk to them on the phone. But a lot of people prefer text messaging and, you know, social media communication, messaging, DMs, that sort of thing. So a very simple example is literally just it helps you understand your client's preferences. So the example I'm giving is that is how people want to communicate. But little things like that will continue to help endear you and help you understand your client better. So start thinking about those little areas where you can identify your client's preferences. This one I love because it's something that, you know, we always think as the business owner, we're the big brain of the business and we're the ones coming up with all the ideas. But the truth is, if you really understand your client's needs and you're talking to them, you can get some great inspiration for new product and service development. So there's lots of times when I'm talking with clients and they're telling me about um, some type of art that they want to create or a place that they want to hang something. And it inspires us to be creative. You know, we talk about things like hanging art in barns, for example, you know, what does that product look like? What does that service look like? Is that something that, you know, that's something Kim and I have had lots of conversations about recently. So just trying to meet the needs of those clients. And then the last thing that I have here, you know, regarding ways to better understand your customers and the reasons that's important is it helps you understand the vocabulary of your consumer, the vocabulary of your client. It helps us get away from that business jargon that we use all the time and instead better understand how your client or your potential client speaks about the topic. And there's so many reasons this is important in terms of your marketing, keywording, search engines. I mean, just think of all the reasons that you need to know their jargon. There's a lot of reasons for that. So talking to them, you know, understanding that vocabulary can be a big part of that. Do you have anything you want to add to this, Kim, before we jump into our big three? I have one little thing I want to add about the new products and services that you can offer by getting to know your customers. Mm -hmm. Because to me, business is a continually evolving proposition, right? And when you really get to know your customers, it opens up opportunities you wouldn't have had before. And it opens up opportunities that you may have never even considered. And in the process of really getting to understand your customers, you find a new pivot for your business that multiplies your revenue or really fulfills your personal value system or really helps your, I mean, it just like it's hugely impactful. But from where you are, you can't see it until you mindfully take the time to get to know those customers. And you know, I'm all about creating new opportunities and finding new ideas. And <laughs> and um, we were just having that discussion this morning. It's like your favorite thing. It is my favorite thing. It Hands down, it is my favorite thing. I love ideas and I love playing with them. So how do you go about doing this? So this is the question we have for our big three to answer is what can you do as a business owner to really start to become mindful of who your customers are and take an interest in that deeper understanding? So we broke it down into our three things. Interview your existing clients. So the people that you currently have that you really want to get to know. Now, if you're a business who's just brand new and you don't have a lot of clients, then you're going to have to sort of take a 
educated guess as to who those clients would be. And those are the people you're going to apply that interview to. The second one is to really research your ideal customer. There are lots of places and ways that you can take advantage of, of data that's out there. And you just need to participate in understanding your customer from that bigger perspective. And then how that also helps you see how they fit into the larger world and larger culture. And, and that helps you define your role a little bit better. And then the final piece of this is to study your competitors. Although we aren't going to guide you to like being really intense or fixate on your competition, we're not looking at, at ways in this particular conversation to do deep defining of your differences between you and your competitors. What we're wanting to look at is we're wanting to look at what other things are your customers running into out there in the world in your industry and how does that affect their life and their decisions when it comes to your business. So let's dive into, first of all, interviewing your existing customers. And we have some ways that Kara is going to go over here real quick that you can and get this process underway. Are you looking to bring awareness to your equine-based product or service or create a unique way for your audience to feel connected to your brand? Quality horse photos tell your story and breathe life into your marketing. They draw your customers in and create an emotional connection. Powerful images communicate your core values and highlight the benefits your product offers, ultimately proving your business is a voice your customers can trust. It's time to use dynamic images that define your small business and separate you from the rest of the herd. Fast Horse Photography's professional photo library features thousands of searchable images available for businesses just like yours. And guess what? 100% of those images are horse-related. Now, finding the right horse images for your website, social media, and marketing needs is easier than ever. Help your audience see that your brand offers the answers they are looking for. Search for the perfect images for your equine business right now. Spur your customers into action with FastHorsePhotography.com. That's FastHorsePhotography.com. Well, I think the first thing around interviewing is, this is going to sound like a no-brainer, but you got to listen to people. I mean, like really listen. You have to like pull <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. Everybody, everybody take a hard stop here. Pull over. You have to pull out your listening skills. You have to do all the active listening stuff that there is, and you have to really listen to people. It seems like stupid simple, right? But I got to be honest, most of us are pretty crappy at listening these days. I mean, we're distracted. We've got we so are. much going we on. Are. We've got our phones in our face and headphones in and we're terrible at it. So really, if you're going to delve into this, take the time to actually listen to people. That's probably the first place that you need to start. Second, you can do things like polls and surveys. I think everybody knows what a survey is and what a poll is, but you can create some for your business that are really pointed about topics that you're interested in. You can start interviewing your existing clients or people that are potential consumers. Use those polls on them. The second piece is client interviews. And you can ask those questions that get you answers that you really need to understand them. Make sure that your questions are open-ended and give them plenty of time to respond. You don't want to have those yes and no answers. Like you really need to hear the meat and potatoes. You do. You do. And, a, and another tip. Uh, so back to the listening equation, most of us listen to respond. We do not listen to absorb. We're worried again, we're self-focused about, you know, how are we going to respond to what that person is saying? And what you need to do is slow that down and completely be present in the moment and make an effort 
to not talk. So there is an author whose name escapes me, but he wrote Navajo mystery novels somewhere. I, I In the back of my brain, it exists, but it's gone. But anyway, in all of his novels, he talked about the fact that in Navajo culture, one of the things that is so important and kind of really rubs up against the rest of our American culture is that Navajo really sit and listen to somebody and they don't talk right away. In other words, they allow there to be this silence between the two people when they're having their conversation because it's a it's a point of respect to let that person completely finish their thought. And if there's something that they want to add, then they can add that before they're interrupted by somebody else talking. And I try to channel that particular thought when I'm doing customer interviews. I want to sit and be quiet and allow there to be some some quiet space, which is super hard for me because I'm an extrovert and I don't like quiet. I want to fill it with my voice and my thoughts. But I have to pinch myself and bite my tongue and I want to sit there but be completely open to them filling the silence themselves because there's always gold in those moments when somebody adds that additional thought because that is usually really organic. It's not a rehearsed or well thought out response. It's something that they add organically. And for the business owner, there's gold in that moment. Another thing when you really open up that silent moment, when you really start to engage and listen to somebody, is that you get what we talked about earlier, is you get things in their language, the way they speak about it, the words that they use, the context that they use. And as business owners, we get, again, so absorbed in our own goals, our own way of thinking. And we've, for many of us, we've leveled up on what our consumers talk about. In other words, they talk about it in a different way. So I always give the example of a doctor. When you talk to a doctor about a heart attack, they call it a myocardial infarction. (laughs) We don't run around saying that as humans. We, We say, you know, oh my God, my cousin had a heart attack. They didn't have a myocardial infarction. And if we worry about heart attacks in our family history, we don't Google myocardial infarction. We Google heart attack. So you have to look at that in your own world and your client's world and understand that sometimes you have two different levels of conversation about the same topic. And so it's important to get their language when you're interviewing them. Again, that's gold. And the best way to do this, because you will have bias that comes into the the situation. In other words, you bring your opinion and you will translate for that customer if you're just taking notes. My recommendation is that you record your customer interviews and translate them using a transcription software so that the words are written on a piece of paper so you are not shorthanding into your own vocabulary what your customers are saying. And the reason that this is so critical and so important, not only for you to have conversations with your customers at the level that they want to speak, but also for anything you write as far as marketing material that is digitally indexed, like in a search engine. Because again, your customers don't Google myocardial infarction. They Google heart attack. So you've got to learn how to speak their language. I have never had anyone contact me saying that they're looking for equine photography. No. It's always, I need pictures of my horses. Yeah. Or I'm looking for a horse photographer. 
you know? So that was huge for me when I started thinking about like that actual language that people are using to talk about the work that I do. And I definitely made some changes with the way that I communicate, with the hashtags that I use, you know, with some of those words that are on my website, that sort of thing, even in the bios of like my social bios and stuff like that, because those are the things that are going to be picked up in those searches. So yeah, no one has ever contacted me and said, I need, I, I need an uh, equine and equestrian photographer. Like it's not happening. No, they just so, don't speak like, that I need way. pictures of myself with my horses. Yeah. I want a picture <laughs> yeah. of my horse. It's so true. And as business owners, we are so bad at ignoring that because we want to clean it all up and make it pretty. And our customers are living in in the reality of life not the clean pretty like vision that sometimes we want to create as business owners and we just we have to be mindful of that you don't want to change everywhere on your website to where it says horse photographer (laughs) but you definitely want to mention it throughout your site so that when people google that or when they're searching for it and also that they feel comfortable in talking to you that's another thing too the language that you use and how you represent yourself yes it should be professional but it also should be accessible by your customers and again back to that doctor example I, I don't think there's any of us that feel super comfortable with sometimes with the way our doctors talk to us because they use language that we don't understand and it feels weird and strange and you don't want that relationship in your animal-based business. You want to be able to have a comfortable relationship and a trustful relationship and something where your customers feel heard and understood and that just goes a really long way into building your business. Every small business owner wants to gain traction in their marketing. After three decades of working with small business owners just like you, I have developed what I call my 4x4 marketing method. In just one 90-minute session, you'll discover the four major focus areas of a successful marketing plan, and together we'll uncover where your business is getting stuck. You'll leave the session with an action plan of next steps that engage your revenue engine. Drop by bemorebusiness.com to request your session today. That's B-E-M-O-R-E business.com. See you there. So all of those things mean listen to your customers and and be sure you're asking questions of them. Do some boots on the ground, make an effort, research in this area where, where you're taking a little bit of time, maybe schedule it out every month and say, you know, I'm going to interview X number of people or I'm going to spend a couple of hours, you know, just focused on asking questions that help me better understand who my customers are. I want to make one other point here before we move on to the next topic. And that is when you're interviewing, you want to make sure that you concentrate on finding out what your customers' pain points are. Because we will always seek to get out of pain before we seek to create a growth opportunity or a gain. So people, when they Google, people, when they ask for recommendations, people, when they ask for referrals, all of those things, it usually is focused around a pain point, not a gain point. So understanding how you your customers communicate about their pain points is crucial in you inserting yourself into that conversation. So you've got to get in their language and from their perspective, 
what is the barrier that keeps them from achieving their goal? And then you have to figure out how to talk about that barrier in your marketing and in your sales materials. And then also look for opportunities that help break that barrier down for your new products and services. All right, I think we're ready to move on to number two. That's right. We're talking, okay, so we've talked about interviewing your existing clients. What about researching your ideal customer? That's number two. That's the next thing we have on here. And Kim is going to be the one to talk to you about the resource librarian. We've talked about that before. She loves her resource librarian. But I'm going to tell you, you know what, guys? Sometimes a good social shadow is not a bad idea either. So I highly recommend a good (laughs) social shadow, not social stalking. We've talked about that before on here. Social shadowing. We do not advocate for social stalking. (laughs) We do not advocate for social stalking. Social shadowing, however, there is no reason you can't check in with folks in the horse community and just see what kind of conversations people are having. And are they having conversations about your business or other businesses that are related to yours? Are you starting to identify needs that they're having? You can even do things like using the geotags and doing location and finding people in your area that are potential customers, potential consumers down the line, and just start doing some low-key social shadowing so you can really kind of understand some of the things they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. For those of you that need and desire, and we highly recommend, a more technical research aspect, Kim is going to talk to you about your resource librarian. (laughs) I am going to talk to you about resource librarians. But before I go there, I'm going to add a little bit of something to the social shadowing. So I'm in the midst of hopefully a project I will finish, which is writing a little quick book on how to be a better salesperson. Because I see you will finish. I will finish it. I do a lot of starting of books and not a lot of finishing of books. But we're going to we're going to make this one short, sweet and easy to get a hold of. So in my outline that I'm currently writing on, I tell people there's some basis for conversations that you can have around sales. And one of those places that you can start engaging people in a sales conversation is establishing common ground. And when you social shadow people and you get to understand them, you can establish that common ground really easily. One of the things that I noticed that Kara does in, and she's an outstanding salesperson, by the way, and don't ever let her tell you differently. She rocks it at the sales. (laughs) But she's really good at that social shadowing and taking a look at a person's profile, getting to understand their interests, understand who their horse's names are. She knows what kind of breeds they have as far as before she even probably picks up the phone to call them back. Well, I'm looking for a common connection. I mean, that's part of being a good salesperson. It is. Yeah, it you're is. looking for common ground. So establishing that common ground really makes you very personable as a salesperson. And it makes the person on the other end feel heard and appreciated and respected. So that's the type of social shadowing we're talking about here. We're not talking about just going and looking at people's profiles and gathering data, although that's a good thing to do. But we're talking about seeking to really understand it at a leveled up way. And it just, it helps all the way around. Now for the bigger pictures, for the huge amounts of data where you can look at at how your customers fit into this big picture, that resource librarian is absolutely key. And I always call them the special unicorn of librarians. You will need to go to your library and ask them if they have a resource librarian and where that particular special unicorn of a librarian (laughs) tends to hide out. But they 
they really are very good at helping you understand in context the bigger numbers when it comes to your customers. One of the things that a lot of new entrepreneurs are tasked with doing is figuring out their market size and resource librarians can help you do that. But they can go way beyond that in helping you understand the data and parse that data from all of these research studies that have been done, all of this information that has been collected, the census data that's available to you as a business owner to use to really understand the large movements of a community of people or an industry or a specific niche that you're working in or demographic that you want to understand better. So seeking them out is fantastic. I I don't think that there's any of them that will charge you for their services. It's part of what the library provides. I can't speak of that all over the country, but I know the resource librarians in Kansas City are available to you uh, as a public service that is provided by the library. So it's not an expense and it is always an enlightening activity to go. And if you're like, I don't know when to ask a resource librarian, that's okay. They're really friendly people. And you just need to go and say, hey, somebody said I should maybe look into working with a resource librarian around my small business. And trust me, they will start asking the questions that need to happen in order for them to find the best solution to help you with. So definitely check out your resource librarian. I'm totally nerding out right now because that sounds really fun to me. (laughs) You are going to go find your local resource librarian. (laughs) Yeah, like it just sounds fun. It just kind of sounds fun. I miss libraries as a regular basis. I mean, I I do a lot of Zoom teaching for the libraries in Kansas City, but I love going and walking through the stacks of books. You want to talk about a nerdy moment. I have a nine-year-old. I still get to go all the time. I love that. lots of reasons to go. So I'm in all the time, our little local one. I love the smell of library books. Why is that? It's just a weird thing. It brings back so many wonderful feelings from my childhood. Takes you back to your childhood. Yeah, it does. It does. All right, so let's talk about studying your competitors. Okay, so big three number three is to study your competitors. So the first thing I want to say is you don't need to fixate on your competition, but spending some time watching how your competitors deliver on the pain points of their clients can really inspire new ways for you to assist your clients and better meet their needs. Sometimes you're having a struggle and you're not really sure how to meet a need and maybe somebody in the next state over is meeting that need well and they're doing it in a way that might work for your clients. So we're not advocating for folks to go out there and copy somebody else's business practice, but certainly be inspired by the things that other businesses are doing. You also on the flip side can understand, you know, is this an idea that I have that, is it a good idea? Like is someone else already doing this and was it successful for them? Was it unsuccessful for them? What kind of hangups did they have along the way? Is it getting good traction with their clients? So you can kind of on the flip side of that, figure out if something that you want to do is a good idea or a bad idea. It can also help you understand some of the gaps in the products and services that exist in the industry that you're in. You know, maybe there's a place that is void of services and products and you can really niche into that world and make yourself the go-to person or the go-to business in that area. Absolutely, Kara. I love that. Competitive research, I think, is an ongoing activity. It's kind of like the customer interviews. It's sometimes when we're new businesses, when we're brand new and we're writing our business plan and we're looking at our SWOT analysis 
analysis. I love that. SWOT stands for those of you who don't know the acronym. It stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it usually has to do a lot with this competitive research component of taking a look at how we fit into the larger picture of our industry and the customers that we're going to serve. But usually the competitive research ends there. And we don't tend to go back and do a lot of it unless it's probably motivated by a competitor starting to step into what we perceive as our territory. And then we all of a sudden get really interested in what they're up to. So ongoing competitive research is really important on multiple levels, but it is really important on the level of understanding what the opportunities are out there that your clients are seeing. That really affects your conversation with your clients, especially sales conversations, as well as service conversations. And it also really should affect the direction and how you brand your business. There are times that we want to be like our competitors because we want to offer a competitive service or product. And then there are ways that we want to differentiate so that consumers know that we are the right choice for their business or that the competitor is the right choice. I I firmly believe there's room in this world for any type of business that wants to build in it and that the differences come down to branding and experience. Just those little details that make your business the perfect choice over somebody else's business for that individual. It's another reason why we really want to step into knowing our customers well is it helps us define the commonalities across our entire customer base that really help us differentiate ourselves from our competition and from the other choices, both direct and indirect, that our customers have when spending the dollars that they would spend with us. So making competitive research kind of part of your activities, again, not advocating that you fixate on it, but that you just simply mindfully remember that you need to take a look at your competition and you need to approach it not from the, I don't like this business, I want to make sure I beat them, to I want to seek to understand what makes my business different, what are my clients seeing when they go to this competitor, and then how do I position my business effectively? Think of it like a horse race. We're all in the horse race, we have the starting gate, we're running and you know, how what we're winning for that customer depends on how we position our horse in the pack of other horses. I so want to out you for, <laughs> for doing the horse race motion. <laughs> oh, God. Jazz is earning her money on this, this, this particular episode. <laughs> you should have seen it, Jazz. Kara was in the horse race. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That's all we've got for you guys today. So today we gave you guys a little bit of information um, regarding three ways you can better understand your customers. We started out by talking about, first of all, why is this even important? Why do you need to understand your, your existing clients or your potential consumers? And there's a lot of reasons for that. And we hope that that inspired you guys to jump into spending a little more time understanding your customers. So the big three, number one, interview your existing clients. They really are the place you need to start. They're the 
the folks that have been through your service, they're the ones that you've identified have a need. You already know they have a pain point and you're in the process of trying to answer that pain point. The second, research your ideal customer. Kim talked a little bit about that unicorn in the library, the resource librarian. You know, that's a great way to do that. So think about ways that you can research your ideal customer. And then finally, study those competitors. Don't fixate on them, but spend some time looking at what they're doing and how they're meeting their client needs and see how that inspires the work that you're doing. So we really hoped you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll be back next Tuesday. (laughs) See y'all then. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.